Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This is episode number 209 with Paul Spencer. And as soon as I heard the event or the quest or really in this sense, in every sense of the of the word here, what he's going to do is is an odyssey. Um, as soon as I heard of it, of what he's planning, I was so incredibly excited to sit down with him and chat with him and and just kind of pick his brain um paul is currently planning a self-propelled circumnavigation of the globe and he's gonna do it uh every time he's on land basically in other words he's going to travel completely around the world using nothing but human power and he's going to pedal the whole entire thing so when he's on land he'll be riding his bike when he's at sea he will be on this really cool i mean you gotta go to one of the websites i have linked below but um this really cool pedal boat um that he's going to cross the oceans uh using and i'm just blown away like this is one of the biggest most challenging things a human being can take on like think about the history of humanity and to have the idea of oh i'm going to travel around the world not only am i going to do that i'm going to do it completely under my own power um it just takes so much determination so much resilience um you know creativity involved to get yourself around the world back to where he started basically he's going to leave denver headed west and he's going to eventually at some point years later return to denver from the east and just to even think about that and to think about the person um that that you leave being and the person that you come back as uh and the change that is inevitable from seeing and experiencing and pushing yourself and and really traveling completely around the world that's so cool um way back in december i believe my buddy calvin johansson uh recommended this book and he was like dude i read this book it's incredible um it's about these two dudes in the 90s that did this very such thing or or attempted this very such thing it was called pedaling to hawaii uh so i picked it up and it's about these two guys uh jason lewis and stevie smith who just decide <laughs> while they're out at a bar that they're going to be the first people to to travel under human power around the earth um i read that book it was mind-blowing it was really well done the travel across the atlantic that chapter was one of my favorite adventure chapters of a book that i've read um and then i picked up jason's book so jason lewis uh did the human powered circumnavigation he continued on and he wrote three books called the expedition and really over the last few months that was the only book that i read the only story i was reading was about an event like this and then uh ryan wanless who's been on the show before 
just texted me out of the blue. He's like, Hey man, like I met this dude named Paul. You got to talk with him. Here's what he's planning. And I read it and I was like, Holy crap. Like this is the thing I've been reading about for, you know, the last, and I read it very slowly. So, <laughs> um, over the last few months, um, and now I get to interview someone about this. So anyways, I'm super excited to, to share this episode with you. Paul is incredible. Uh, I was just on his website and read that he stand up paddleboarded the Grand Canyon. And I was like, dude, how do we not even touch that man? <laughs> uh, but he's done so much. He's biked across Africa. He's biked across the United States four times. Um, He's done the Tour Divide. He's done the Colorado Trail Race. Uh, he's completed Leadman. Um, just so many things. He was a rugby player, and you know how I love rugby. Greatest sport ever. Um, and so, yeah, this episode has a, a little bit of it all, and i um, super excited to share with you guys. So um, definitely go to Paul's website. It's yeshesmad.com, um, and the event is called Pedal Round the World. Um, so pedal round the world. Um, and you can find all the stuff there. I think that's his, our, I know that's his Instagram as well. So pedal around the world there. Um, and you can support him, follow along with the journey. Obviously we get into it, but the journey had to be delayed a bit due to, uh, the world circumstance and COVID and everything. Um, so we'll get into how he, how he's kind of managing that whole aspect. Um, it's going to be quite the ride, um, but let's just get right into it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 209 with Paul Spencer. I have to ask this first. Um, we we're talking about Ryan Wanless, who uh, kind of like mutually connected yep. us. Yep. Um, he sent me a picture. I texted him yesterday. I was like, anything I should bring up with Paul or whatever. And he just sent me a picture of your first beer mile. Oh yeah. Which I'm assuming was in Leadville. <laughs> no, it no. was in Sturgis. Oh, so it was like yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago in Sturgis. How'd that go? It was interesting. I never <laughs> even heard of it. I had no idea what it was. And then, so they explained the rules and uh, they've got a really cool little house and they've done a quarter mile route around the block. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, I guess I'll try it. And then, then there's all the rules of like, we were like, okay, I'll just go get some PBR. Yeah. They're like, no, you can't do that. It's got to be 5% beer. <laughs> so then we're in the store, like looking through, trying to find the right beer. And obviously we don't want too much. Yeah. So yeah, the hardest thing was chugging the beers. Yeah. Like, How much did you burp afterwards? Like constantly. <laughs> like con and, and I was like, oh, all right, this is a bit of fun. I am not puking. Like, I, I'm going to stop on the side of the road and sit down and have a rest. There's no way I'm going to puke doing a beer mile. <laughs> But like I chugged the first beer, ran the lap, got back, and the second beer, I was like, right, I'm not going to chug this, I'm just going to drink it quickly. Because the first one, I'm, I mean, I'm from England, and we, the beer that I grew up drinking was bitter, which is flat. It doesn't have the carbonation and the fizz. So like, even when I first moved to America, I, were, I played rugby for Atlanta, and we were sponsored by Budweiser, and like the f carbonation of the beer used to, yeah. like, used to get to me. And, <laughs> same thing on the run so i was kind of like burping like crazy and I was like, <laughs> but i got the second one down and yeah it was kind of like it wasn't trying to chug the beer it was just take like big gulps and try and drink it fast but yeah yeah but, so do you think in england you would have a better chance if the beer's flat i i, I don't know like 
I mean, English people are silly. We do lots of stupid stuff. <laughs> I mean, we bought a beer funnel. I bought a beer funnel in Daytona when I was like 16. I took it back to England to a party. Yeah. All the beer in the house got drunk, so then some clever person put red wine in it. <laughs> and, and then it was a disaster. And then I remember the next day and being like, this is why I probably shouldn't have bought a beer funnel back to England. English people aren't very clever in that way. They just keep drinking. Nice. Where'd you play your rugby for? Atlanta. Okay. Atlanta Old White it was called. Nice. What position were you? I was a, I was like a hooker and a flanker. There you go. You you hesitated saying that. Well, I played since I was a little kid, and yeah. I was a hooker from a little kid. And then as I got into men's rugby, I was too small and I'd get crushed. Yeah. Literally, so I, because they lift the hooker up. Yep. He's right in the middle of the scrum. Yep. And they just smash the back of your neck. Yep. Into other gigantic dudes. It was painful. It's the worst position in rugby. But I knew it so well. <laughs> so I kept trying to like move out to flanker and I'd play flanker and then they'd be like, no, we need to win this scrum. You're going in. And I'd be like, no, no, please. So I would, I would kind of jump backwards and forwards depending on yeah. the game. I could survive like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And then I would be like, no, like put me somewhere else. And then I would go back. So I kind of like was this backup. Like if we wanted to mess with the other team, they'd throw me in. Okay. And the other team would be like, who's this little guy? And then I'd steal the ball from them. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, shit. Like, how'd that happen? And then I'd go back to playing flanker. So it was kind of like a cool tactic we had. How bad does it hurt, though? Because I played eight-man for a year, which yep. is all the way in the back, kind of like yep. your head's jammed in between. Yeah, you're controlling everything. In between butts, basically. Yeah. Uh, and then I was a back, so I never. Every time I looked at the hooker, though, I was like, "Dude, that's the hurt so bad." It, it can, sometimes it's get not so bad. It. You get used to it. Yeah. Sometimes it's not so bad. Sometimes, what about when the scrum collapses? See, they never bother me because the guys around me are so much bigger. Mm, okay. They're generally like, they're not flexible, so like it's collapsed and they're like faces on the ground and they're all in agony. But I'm yeah. like, I can bend this way. I'm yeah. I'm much smaller than you. <laughs> so yeah, and I was. 18, 19 at the time, like super fit. So yeah. I didn't really care about that. It was just more like, I felt like my back was compressing. Mm. So it was more like the, the props behind you pushing on you, the other Ooh. team. Yeah. And then you got the two uh, locks in. So you've got like just pressure from every direction on you. And I just felt like, yeah, you'd come out and be like, oh God, like stretch my back. Yeah. So oh, that's nuts, so man. much fun though. It's the best. It's my, it's hands down my favorite team sport to play yeah there's nothing more fun than it's playing so intense though like it is like, like i lived it for a couple of years and i loved it but like you had to be training you had to be in you had to play your game and then like we drink as a team like i mean i was 18 running around atlanta yeah. with all these 25 30 year olds that would <laughs> get me in every single bar like it was fantastic <laughs> and then we traveled we were like our division was the like the southeast coast yeah. so i got to go to 10 different states and then the the team was semi-sponsored so we'd get like free gym membership i got like the, they'd help us out with plane tickets they'd help us out with this and that yeah so, like I, my friend was from south africa and he was a year younger than me we just had the time while it was Dude. amazing did they like recruit you over no nope. oh, you just came we over found and it, yeah. yeah well my i was my parents moved to america when i was 16 okay so i was in boarding school in england nice and then so holiday i moved to america i didn't know anyone yeah so my mom and dad were like Go join the rugby team. You'll make some friends. Yeah, and I did. I, You'll also be way better than everybody in America. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what you're even, doing. I found the Americans are really good at set plays. Because yeah. like American football, most of them were American football, so they were really good at set plays. Yeah, they were terrible at the stuff we learned when we were seven, which yeah. was just like 
passing the ball around <laughs> you know like keeping your head like looking around looking everywhere and like catch a ball wherever it comes from yeah and then throw the ball backwards and well and i just remember i would when i first started i would go into a tackle holding the ball in front of me yeah and i went to our men's i was in high school and they had a high school team but i went to the men's league practice and the men's team they brought in all these guys from like new zealand and stuff yep. so the, i just remember running straight into this giant new zealand guy and he just looks at me and he just rips the ball from my hand yeah. and then i just face <laughs> and I, I was like oh there is so much more to this game that i didn't even realize like yep. little things like that yep. but dude it's the best but not exactly why i brought you here to talk <laughs> no. um you're gonna ride you're gonna pedal around the world and i thought i was like let's just jump right into that yep like that's insane <laughs> it's awesome uh we were kind of texting back and forth i read a couple books uh about um a couple guys who who also did that i don't know if you want to kind of get into the history like what made you even look well, at like, this adventure yeah, so the books jason lewis is yes. your, the books you read yeah, and then yeah. steve who was stevie smith yeah his co-pilot well like at least for the beginning yeah yeah so they came up with the idea together i mean the books are incredible jason yeah. unbelievable the way he did it was very like stressful very stressful <laughs> like i mean they're free books and they're the one of the batteries ever i think yeah but like he scraped together the boat they built the boat out of wood the boat probably weighed a couple of tons they used like regular propeller off a boat they used regular pedals off a bike they like mashed together this gear system it was so inefficient in every way possible yeah um and they just made it happen and he kind of like he did a leg and then he worked to do the next leg and like like he got run over in colorado broke both his legs and ended up like spending a couple of years here and then like the crazy thing is like he got it was a drunk driver that hit him he got paid out for that yeah um, had a bunch of money and then lost it all on the stock market. This is so, insane like, with the so, like, was that the like the crash, the crash of yeah. the, all the websites yeah. and stuff, which I don't really understand. Cause like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he lost everything. I think he was like in a, in a stocks and shares, like, like, like he didn't have stocks and shares in Apple. He had stocks and shares in a broker and that broker went bust. Oh yeah. So the broker used his money to pay off whatever. <sighs> and he got nothing, you know, instead of like, if you had Apple shares yeah. or whoever, you yeah. know, you would and they halved in value at least you still have half the money yeah because yeah that, that was the bit i didn't understand you're but. like reading his book and you're like he could make it or this could derail him but like the whole book yeah. like he's maybe like 100 miles from home and you're like he still might not make it yeah. i don't know yeah <laughs> it's crazy well, like he ends up in the he sleeps in a uh, swan house yeah for like two weeks because <laughs> he's they're on an island and steve's in the boat and he's like oh well, i guess i go find somewhere to sleep and he finds a swan house so that, but then he keeps going back for two weeks it's incredible <laughs> and then i'm trying to remember the country there's one part he's illegally in the country yep and he has to keep diving off the road every time a well, car's driving by he doesn't get his he leaves england without a passport yeah and he doesn't actually get his passport <laughs> somebody ships it to him while he's in his pedal boat from I think it's portugal to america yeah so he goes through france spain and portugal without a passport <laughs> at all like sneaking around borders yeah yeah i mean he did it in an unbelievable way i don't want to do it anything like that <laughs> i want to be more efficient i want to be more planned yeah like i'm not as tough as him like i'm not going to do that like there's no way what what like draws you to this idea uh the way i want to do it and nobody's done yeah like 
so like Jason did it, but on the ocean he had a friend. So yeah. they were, you know, that's so many advantages on the ocean to have somebody else pedaling while you're sleeping, and not have to worry about like a current coming in the night and pushing you backwards and those kind of things. Like at least you've got that. So like I'll have a sea anchor, but I've designed my route that the wind and current are behind. So hopefully at night I don't lose ground. Maybe I make a lot of ground. Maybe I stay where I am. But it's going to be like a, a game of every day of kind of like, do I drop the sea anchor? Do I not? Like, yeah. What's what's out there? And then my boat is... Your boat's sweet. Yeah. I looked up a picture of it and my same thought, I'm like, oh yeah, this boat's legit. <laughs> yeah, there's some more, like... Ooh. I got some more pictures. Yeah, man. It's, I don't even know how to describe it. No, it was... Yeah. Is it is it unique? Like, is it it's totally custom, made and, custom made? Yeah. It wasn't custom made for me. Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to... I came up with the idea in 2010 when I biked across America. Okay. And then I kind of... There was a around-the-world bike race at the time, and I kind of was interested in that. And then I was like, well, what makes it around the world? And I looked into it a little bit, and it was... You had to ride 18,000 miles. You had to continuously go around the world. You couldn't backtrack. Okay. But you could fly over the oceans. And I kind of thought, well... That's kind of around the world, but the oceans are a big part of the what world. What about the ocean? <laughs> so then I thought about it a little bit and I looked into it and I found Jason and I found like Jason's the only one ever to do it. Nobody else has really attempted it. And then actually there is another guy, uh, Ed Anaruch has done it. Um, so he holds the record right now, five okay. years, 11 days, but he's a rower. So he rode primarily. Oh, he didn't pedal it. No, he, yeah. So he didn't pedal boat. He rode because wow. it, it, the, the world record, that, that I'll go for is human power around the world. Yeah. So you can, you know, like Jason roller skate across America. Yeah. My one, the spin on mine is like, I'm a bike rider. So I want, and I, I'm, I called it pedal around the world. So I'm going to pedal across the oceans. I'm going to pedal across the land. So like in my own way, I'm doing it. I'll be the only person to do it in my way. Yeah. So like Ed Anaruch, he was a rower. So he picked the furthest possible rows he could. And then he just oh, biked okay. across the land back <clears throat> to get in his rowboat. Yeah. So, like, if you look at his route and mine, they're kind of opposites. Like, I've got the shortest distance on the oceans and the biggest distance on land. Okay. And he's got the opposite, the biggest distance on the oceans and the shortest on land. Wow. So, but the, it was like, when I thought about it, first of all, I was like, oh, yeah, you just go up to the Bering Straits, like, sea kayak across the Bering Straits or whatever, and then you'll carry on on land. Well, when I start looking into it, I mean, even on the American side, you can't get to the Bering Straits on land. There's no roads. Oh, really? Like Anchorage, past Anchorage, you can get certain places, mm. but there isn't a road system all yeah. the way to the Bering Straits. <laughs> I was like, all right. And then I I heard in the wintertime, people will ride on the ocean up there. And I was kind of like looking at all these different things. And I was definitely thinking it was going to be more like a hiker bike. So it wouldn't be this solid pedal around the world. And then, then I started looking at the Russian side. The Russian side is even more of a joke. <laughs> like there's no roads at all. So, I wonder how how far do you have to go before you even find humanity, like civilization? Well, I know? think there is, but I mean, I... But they're all flying in and... Yeah. yeah. Well, there's that Ewan McGregor Road of Bones thing. Okay. And I watched that and I thought that he went like all the way up to the Bering Straits. If you actually look at it, he doesn't get anywhere near there. Really? And he's on these terrible roads. And if you look, he's kind of more in the middle of Russia. And the <laughs> roads are... And they were completely like getting stuck at rivers. They were... Yeah. So then that kind of like kind of vetoed that idea so the next one was to go along the Aleutian Islands yeah but then that one was like you needed to go all the way down to Japan so then that meant it was this giant trip um, 
So Sarah Uten attempted a round the world um, trip. Yeah. Uh, she got stuck on a rowboat in the in the North Pacific, uh, oh, North wow. Atlantic. Same thing. So like there, and she ended up detouring up to the Aleutian Islands. Um. So like I looked. What derailed like a, her? Like what stopped storm. her? A storm. Like she didn't? got taken out by a storm, mm, and then okay. she went back again the next year. Yeah. And got delayed by a storm. I, I, don't quote me on it. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm trying to remember from the book. Yeah. So then she turned, and she went north, and then she hit an island, and then she was the wrong time of year for that. So then she went home, and then came back the next year to sea kayak across the islands. Yeah, man. So like, that took her three years to get that. Section. That's and that's the thing. Like, the factors that you have to consider. Yeah. That's the one. Just the seasons. Like when you're in different parts of the world, you know. If it's winter time, that's going to eliminate some travel. Yeah. You know, so you kind of have to like time it the best you can. So I'm obviously you've thought of all this. Yeah. And, but it still keeps changing. Like, yeah. I mean, I've used a couple of weather guys and they've told me this and told me that. My original route was I was looking at going through, up through Japan that way. Yeah. But then the big problem with that is I was going to do Japan to Alaska on the northern hemisphere. So you would have had to have gone from west to east. To yeah. But then I wanted to go from uh, Africa to Brazil on the Southern Hemisphere. Well, it was the wrong with the currents. So basically, I couldn't do. So then I had to switch that. And then, in the end, it, the even though it's a huge gap of ocean, it actually turned out that it was probably better just to go from San Francisco to Hawaii and Hawaii to the Philippines. That's like a huge start just on the ocean. But yeah. I love. I lo- I was looking at your website and the first stage from denver to san francisco oh you got it okay because i was bringing up that uh first stage you say (laughs) warm-up it's like a thousand thousand mile warm-up there which is which is crazy but then you got like you'll be on the ocean i mean how long do you even think that's how long are you anticipating that taking really like six months to a year like yeah really don't know like the boat i still haven't tested i was meant to be in new zealand in february when covid kind of hit yeah to test the boat um so i never made it down there the boat's still not tested um it's it's been designed so it's got a specially designed um propeller for the size of the boat and everything and it's got a uh, freewheel inside so i'll pedal a freewheel and then so i'll have the propellers will have constant motion so if i like ease off the pedals for 30 seconds at least the freewheel will keep oh, the pedals so, going okay, that's cool so that'll at least keep the momentum i like in the design like you can sit down and pedal yeah and then you can also stand up yeah head out of the boat i'm just imagining like <laughs> in the middle of the ocean you know your head's out of the boat just yeah. looking around like holy shit i'm in the middle of the ocean this is well crazy. i did that for two reasons one yeah. was like yeah like a change of pace like if, if it's calm enough so I can insert a regular seat post in the floor, it'll yeah. be, and then I can sit and pedal like I'm on a regular bike. And then I guess I'll just have my hands kind of on the top of the boat. So yeah. there's no handlebars or anything <laughs> like that, which would be cool. But um, when you're in the boat, you can't see anywhere. So if I come in and out of a harbor, I'll be pedaling like that so I can actually see what's going on. Oh, yeah. And then... And for everyone around you in the harbor to be like, what gonna, in yeah, the heck look is hilarious. this spaceship looking <laughs> thing, you know? Yeah. Dude, that's crazy, man. So obviously, like, I mean, I guess when you're going to pedal a boat across the ocean, like what other factors do you have to at least account for going in? And obviously you have to like adjust a lot on the fly, but like wind, weather and food. Yeah. The, the biggest wind, weather, food and water. Yeah. Water's a huge one. 
if you read all the books, everyone's desalinator seemed to break. Like Jason Lewis is one broke constantly, and I think he fixed it with an old tin cup in the end. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be playing that game. So I'm looking at getting... The other thing is a lot of people in these rowboats go for super light, so I'm going for more of a sailing okay. um, desalinator. I'm in planning on installing two of them, so I have a, a main and a backup, and then I'm planning on having a third in pieces. Okay. And then a fourth, which will be a hand pump one. So I'll probably have nearly four desalinators on there, because that's a game I don't want to play. Yeah, if one fails, yeah. then you have backups. So I have one, and then I'm going to... I want to install both of them, so like... And maybe I alternate between the two, so I'm not like running one all the time. So I use one for one day, use or like one for I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll figure something out. Um, but I I have two installed, so I'm not like just using one. F and then if one dies, at least I've got the second one already there. Yeah. And then hopefully I have the parts with me, so I can start working on Fix. fixing the other one. Yeah. Um, and that's how I want to do it. And then obviously, if for some reason they all go, then you've got the um, the hand pump ones. The hand pump ones. Are pretty reliable yeah but like i think it's like you need to pump it for six hours to get like an hour, like enough water for a day <laughs> so to be pedaling and like pumping away the whole time <laughs> like you read the some of the rowboats like they're literally yeah. rowing for an hour pumping water for an hour right like i mean it's insane you're you'll be like everyone will expect your legs to be jacked from, yeah from pedaling but you'll well, come I, in your forearms <laughs> like oh you could just tell like yeah. the desalinator broke that's nuts man yeah well like have you uh, do you have much experience on the ocean or no i've sailed a little bit yeah i've sailed a little bit i've got my sailing i'm a captain so we've, we've okay. done some sailing um you know in england growing up we would always do the overnight ferries to france and stuff like that so yeah. I, i've never really I'm quite good on the boats. So I don't mind it. Um, You're not like intimidated by just like the size of the ocean or. I am, but I'm, I'm also excited by it. Like, yeah. I think it's going to be the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So like, so I biked across Africa in 2011 and the thing I loved the most was you woke up in the morning, your job for the day was to ride. It was an average of 75 miles. So yeah. it's like eat, ride 75 <laughs> miles, get to camp, put your tent up, recover and eat. And that's all you had to do. And like Africa was cool too like there wasn't stoplights and like just that whole simplicity yeah I feel like the ocean's gonna be that even more like Time's my goal like a for billion. the day is just wake up and pedal as far as you can and I'm, but I'm not gonna have to worry about like everything we worry about in a day to day I'm yeah. gonna have to worry about big ships and weather and those kind of things so it's gonna be a different aspect but that is true it's gonna be so peaceful and like on a nice calm day you're literally just out there just keep pedaling <laughs> <laughs> what do you got to do today? Nah, I'll just keep pedaling. Pedal I think. as far as I can. Maybe I'll eat a whole bunch of food. I don't <laughs> know. Uh, yeah, man, that's crazy. Do you have, um, like, is there any section, like looking at the plan, yeah. is there any section that you're kind of like, this section is going to be the most difficult for all of these reasons? Or is it like there's challenges with literally every single section? There's challenges with every single section. Yeah. I don't think one over one is more than another. Like the uh I think the the boat to Hawaii is gonna be a challenge just to get used to the boat. Yeah. Like I think that's gonna be that's gonna be something just getting used to that whole pedaling a boat um day in and day out for however yeah. long it takes. Um The land stuff is gonna be cool. The land stuff I really don't know, like 
sponsorship is going to play a huge part. Depending on how much sponsorship, if I have, I'd like to have a support vehicle. I'd like to have other people to come with me. I'd like to share the experience. Yeah. And also, with other people there, we'll share on social media or whatever it is much better. I feel like that will help us share the trip with other people. Yeah. But if I don't get enough sponsorship, I'm going to go anyway and I'm just going to get my bike bags and <laughs> throw them on my bike and off, you know, so. And then maybe I do that for half the trip and then I suddenly get enough to have a support crew or something. Yeah. So those kind of things are going to be a little bit different. So while, like getting a support crew through certain places might be interesting getting myself through might be easier yeah like i did a ride i did a ride from uh, europe north south across europe um and you have to go through russia and i had a support vehicle and in the end we were like it's easier to just send the support vehicle from finland to estonia on the ferry mm. and not even bother with russia and i'll just go ride russia on my own yeah so that, that's what I did. Just the whole getting through the border getting kind of through situation. through the border, the cost of it, and all those kind of things. Yeah. So, so I imagine if there is a support vehicle, there might even be a little bit of that. Yeah. Like if there isn't, and then the support vehicle is going to be nice too for you know having a bad day. All right, I want to stop. Whereas if you're if it's just me and my bags, it's kind of like I've got a lot more to f- figure out. I think it'll almost be more exciting trip for me, but it'll be much harder to yeah bring people along yeah yeah that makes sense i know like just from talking to people doing the podcast like i think if you just talk to people on the street right now and you told them what you were doing they would just assume sponsors would jump right on board but that's not the case and that's it shocked me and you know the more i talk to people the more i realize like oh sponsorship in the outdoor adventure endurance community like there's not a lot honestly no it's seriously hard and like coverage too like media coverage you think of some someone's like self-supported circumnavigating the globe you think like national media world media would be all over that yep and it's it's just not the case all the time which is crazy to me why do you think that is two things for that like one is like yeah great idea are you really gonna do it Mm. like I mean, yeah, and that's what I've done over the last ten years. I've tried to build up a portfolio of, of stuff that I've done. Yeah. To kind of make people think, oh yeah, he's like, got shot. serious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I've ridden across Africa, I've ridden across Europe twice, I've ridden across America four times, I've ridden New Zealand, so I've definitely biked across some big, big spaces. Yeah. So I hopefully that, but then also, the boat thing is so unknown. I mean that. You know, people look at that boat and they're like, people don't really know even what that is. <laughs> no, people man. look at my boat I know. and don't even know it's a boat. They're like, what is that weird floating contraption <laughs> you have? Yeah, that's, so, that's true, man. I feel like that I, my my plan with sponsorship is not to worry about it too much. Yeah, I can get myself to San Francisco. I've got a bike. I can just ride San Francisco. It's not that bad. Yeah, I've got the boat. So get on the boat and then pedal to Hawaii. And if I can pedal to Hawaii like, and show that I'm that serious, I feel like that's when we're going to start kind of like being like, all right, yeah, you know, this is a serious trip. Who wants to come on board? Like, yeah. And also for the boat, I don't really need – the boat's going to be a fairly cheap part of the trip. I mean, I'm going to have to buy my MREs up front, stack the boat full of them, but then when I'm on the boat, I don't have any costs. I'm yeah. not going to – There's no hotels. <laughs> There's oh, look, no there's hotel restaurants. Yeah. Oh, I should stop at this <laughs> restaurant. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's kind of like, and, and 
I get to Hawaii, I'd like to spend some time in Hawaii and I want to bike across all the Hawaiian Islands. And one of those, when I'm on the boat, I'm going to be pedaling non-stop. So I'm going to be exhausted when I get to Hawaii. I want to, I don't want to put a time frame on it, but I want to be in Hawaii until I feel recovered to go yeah. on the next leg. Yeah. I don't oh, want yeah. to like be like pushing and be like, oh, yeah, I've got four days in Hawaii and then I'm going to go out again. <laughs> so I really want to. Yeah, because how long is the next part? 2,500 miles again. <sighs> it's basically three legs of 2,005. So San Francisco to Hawaii, 2,500. Yeah. Hawaii to the Marshall Islands is 2,500. And then the Marshall Islands to the Philippines is 2,500. Dang, man. So the Marshall Islands to the Philippines will get easier and harder because there's a bunch of islands there. So hopefully I'm going to be able to stop more regularly on smaller islands along yeah. the way. But then it's going to get harder with storms and navigation and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So Do you have, like... Do you have experience with the navigation or do you have people helping you through that aspect or like working on the currents and things I like that? I have people helping me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I, like where the team kind of yeah. comes on board. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a little, I've done a little bit of research. I've done a little bit of experience. I'm very naive on that probably. Yeah. Like I need to learn more, but. But I feel like that's something you learn like obviously like going in with a game plan yep. and having people supporting you is super smart but you also probably learn as you're going yeah like oh this is what this current feels like or or whatever yeah, yeah. well that's also like for my training i want to when the boat's done i want to do some serious training on it yeah i want to go my first plan is to go around the north island of new zealand okay because that's where the builder is that's where the designer is and that's where I've got a lot of New Zealand-based sponsorship yeah. that help build the boat. So I want to do something there and advertise them. But also, they get good currents and they get good tides there. Yeah. So I'll learn currents and tides a little bit and I'll learn like, you know, what kind of current I can pedal into. Like, I mean, if the currents are going up six knots, yeah. then I'm going backwards. <laughs> what's the point of pedaling into a six-knot current and still yeah. going backwards? Then i got to think, all right, maybe I need to ride this current and find a safe spot or something yeah so learning those kind of things and that makes and sense. wind i mean the boat is very streamlined yeah so hopefully the wind isn't going to affect it hugely but it definitely will how did you even like reach out to the designer were you just like hey i have this idea so i actually the boat was oh you said it was already made it was already made oh yeah so it was kind of a sticking point on the trip of the boat yeah like how am i going to you know, I'm looking into it, like getting a boat fully designed. I kind of approached a few people and then I was thinking, I'll just buy an ocean rowboat and convert it. And then I'm looking at those and they, they look like wooden boats with a front and a back. And yeah. I was kind of like, how do I <laughs> enclose the middle part? Um, like two, like last year or the year before, some guys, it's called Pedal the Pond. It was four guys used a pedal boat to go from England to America. Okay. I think I heard about that. And they just... So they just put pedal units in, but they still pedaled outside. It so was it was basically a rowboat, yeah. which they just put some pedal units in. <laughs> but there was also four of them, and they were just two on, two off, Yeah, which is very different. Like, I wanted to be completely enclosed because I feel like then that gives me more... I mean, the seas can be fairly rough, and I can still be out there pedaling away. I mean, the seas can be rough as anything, and I can close all the windows, the hatches, yeah. and be just enclosed. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I'm not going to be sleeping, so why am I not just <laughs> sitting there at least... I might not be moving anywhere. At least I can pedal the boat and point it in the right direction at the wave, so I'm not getting rolled. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's and I can. Oh sit yeah, there you're not sleeping through that. No, <laughs> but I can at least be pedaling and, and steering the boat and yeah and doing something. And also, like in maybe like a intimidating or scary moment like that, 
having like a task to actually do yeah is just a completely different mindset than sitting there thinking yeah. about everything that could go wrong or whatever yeah. you know so. yeah like uh sarah Uten, the, the girl when she got knocked off the ocean like a big storm came in she put out a sea anchor and she belted herself into the bed and the storm went on for days and she just lay in this bed for days it wasn't eating drinking like it just like, sounded horrific i'm just like well how do you come out like mentally after that like how are you changed in you her know? book she was scarred like she, yeah. I mean, she went to counseling it's like it was a huge thing so there is that aspect of it but at least i can be sitting in my i'm gonna have a seat belt so i'm gonna be like belted into the pedal <laughs> yeah. pedaling away but at least at least you're like i'm something. doing something yeah and you can convince yourself like yeah this is making a difference yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly that and hopefully sense, like man. i'm not just there getting rolled rolled and rolled no yeah so, i don't want that to happen no. to you at all no man uh so yeah the boat i i was looking and i and i saw this boat online and i kind of went oh wow that's amazing that's yeah. i could easily like fill in the sides because it was it's a rowboat but he has like it was built with like two open areas on the sides and an open top but it still had the structure over the top so i kind of thought it'd be really easy just to fill those in um and i I looked, found it online, and it was built by LaMotion, a, a uh, New Zealand company. So I emailed LaMotion, and it's kind of like, this boat looks amazing. I, I'm interested in how much would one be. Like, how's I want it to be a rowboat. Like, told them the story. Yeah. Uh, Craig got back to me immediately and was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, I've always, me and my partner have always thought that a row, a pedal boat would be quicker than a rowboat. It's more efficient. Like. <laughs> we've been wanting to design one of these for years and yeah. he was totally on board and then he said well the, the boat itself is owned by a guy called Danny and um, Danny built it to row the Tasman so it, it's originally called the Tasman rower okay. and he built it as light as possible and his idea was the Tasman which is New Zealand to Australia and then he wanted to return immediately so he was there, there at the yo-yo the there and back that was his his uh, goal that he wanted to do um, and he had an accident and the in the end he didn't do the trip yeah. so the boat was for sale so I bought the boat That's awesome. and then went back to the designer Craig and said alright well now I want it converted into a pedal boat and like you said like in that email like you got like, all excited about this so let's move forward yeah so yeah that's cool and it's I think I have to imagine it's important to have your team like as passionate and excited oh yeah as you are yeah, yeah. totally that's huge man what like, were you always this adventurous growing up, or has this built up over time? No, I think it's I, always. Always. <laughs> I mean, I we lived in London when I grew up, and I wasn't. We were outside of London, like thirty miles. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to do much, and then we moved to North Wales, um, <laughs> like up in the hills, like completely different scenery. Like we had three acres of land. The next house you couldn't was down the road. What made you guys move? My dad's job. Okay. My dad's yeah. And it, it just suddenly I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I remember like meeting some guys that played golf and there was a golf course next to our house. So I went out and wandered around the golf course and four hours later, turned up back at home. My mom was yelling out, I'm like, what, where have you been? I was like, oh, sorry. I kind of like, yeah, I just get beelined on adventure. So then I joined the Cubs and the Scouts and yeah, the where I was, the, the, we just played outside. We played in the hills. We did survival games. We did. We hiked mountains. We yeah. rode our bikes. So, has your have your parents like how have they adapted to you, like adventuring? 
I think they they're used to a lot. Are they? They don't <laughs> like the pedal boat. I mean, the 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 Viking. Yeah. They're kind of used to, but they pedal boat. They're still a little anxious about, or I, I think just the idea of a pedal boat yeah. when you say it, it's. It sounds crazy when you say it, yeah. but it's because everyone's thinking about those, like, if you go up to, like, the lake in Evergreen, yeah. you know, and they have those two people, like, crappy pedal boats where you're going as hard as yeah. you can and you move, like, 10 feet. It's like one of those swans. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, and, I almost want to get one of those swans and do a little section on, like, a swan pedal oh boat. Oh, my God, you to... should. And then send a video to your, to your mom be like, this is the pedal boat. Yeah, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. So, they... <laughs> they've got a lot better when I actually explained it to them and they actually realized I was 100% serious and I'm going to do it and yeah. then when they saw the boat and they they know a lot more about the boat and yeah and there's safety equipment on the boat and all those kind of things I think they've got better with it yeah I still don't think they like it but. <laughs> how has uh like COVID thrown like I'm a, a, I'm guessing it's thrown a wrench in your plans just like yeah, everyone else's plans yeah. yeah like it's were you gonna start already? Is that no? no okay. uh, originally, yeah, but I originally had an original start date, and then everything to do with the boat took way longer. So we, yeah, we moved that to twenty twenty one. Okay, and then uh, I would have still had a quite a tough year. I would have had to have been in New Zealand in February. Then I would have had to have. I'm I'm currently do, building an addition on my house, which I want to rent while I'm away and help fund some of the trip. Yeah. So like I would have had to have finished that, and then I would have had to have done some more boat testing, got sponsorship, all those kind of things <clears> to go uh, April first, twenty twenty one. Okay. But I was kind of building towards it, and I think it would have been possible. Yeah. But then as soon as I couldn't go to New Zealand. Yeah. I couldn't test the boat, and I just kind of thought. And then too, like who? It's hard enough, like we said, to get sponsorship for something like this anyway. Yeah. During COVID, like there's no way. No. So. Yeah, that's true, man. You think about that part. Yeah, dude, you're going to rent your house and people are going to be like, guess what our landlord's doing? <laughs> and no one's going to believe it. <laughs> well, I have on the wall, so like the original of this map. Yeah. I've got a 8 foot by 12 foot, uh, you know, National Geographic map of the world. Yeah. I bought a giant piece of Perspex. I put it over the top <laughs> and that's how we came up with the route. I oh, that's drawn cool. it with like a... Yeah. You know, dry erase marker. Yeah. So yeah, I've got this map on the wall with lines all over it and like... <laughs> dots and like yeah we should do this that so they're gonna be like all right we accidentally broke a hole in the wall uh but he's in yemen right now like i think we're good for a while <laughs> he's, but, passed, he's done that part yeah, yeah i think we have time to patch it up but no dude that's that's awesome man well i i did i wrote down a couple of things here um i just thought this and maybe this is something that like i just thought about when reading jason lewis's book but it's this idea of like you travel all the way around the world, right? Yep. And you experience all different aspects of humanity. Yep. And you experience so much of it, right? But at the same time, you're just a dude like passing through that world. Totally. And I know in his book there are sections of of like where it's lonely because he's, you know, he'll meet people for a day but then he'll move on. Yeah. And yeah. like, I have you just thought about that aspect? Like, are you are you pretty confident in your abilities to kind of like handle that part of it, or like the emotional side of it? Yeah, like Jason loves the ocean part. He doesn't seem to get lonely on that. Yeah, he seems to get almost zen. Yeah, and he almost like introspective. And, yeah. yeah. So that's the part I'm excited for the on the ocean, on the land. Like the plan for the land is to have a support vehicle. Okay. And 
also like I'm hoping to get some kind of bike sponsor and almost do a bike test you know like give me this bike and I'm gonna go ride it and, yeah and test it but I also want the right bike for the right situation yeah so if if we're in a country where the roads are flat and straight um, I want to be on a time trial bike I want to get the miles done as quick as possible yeah like I don't want to be messing around on a mountain bike struggling to get the miles but then obviously if we're in a, some country where like all dirt, dirt roads, roads yeah. hopefully a cross bike and if the dirt roads turn into a disaster then yeah maybe a mountain bike like, yeah I mean, if we're I, I know that we go through like Oman and Yemen and that you see a lot of pictures of like sand drifting across the roads so maybe that's even like a a fat bike yeah you know it'd be good to have it to as a so i'd like all those but like this is what i'm saying like the the differences in the trip are so wide like th there's this i got all the sponsorship i can take i'm going to do it in this way yeah and then there's the <laughs> i didn't get any sponsorship i'm using the <laughs> rent from my house and i'm going on my bike that i have with one set of tires yeah i think if i do it that way the whole pedaling the whole thing might disappear because then my bike's not going to be suited to every situation, mm -hmm. so I probably will end up pushing it up a hill. Yeah, yeah. Or the road's too rough, and I might end up pushing so it. So you're going to try to pedal the absolute whole way. M my goal... If possible. My goal is to pedal every inch of the whole thing. My, my goal is to pedal the boat into the dock. And let me remind much. you, the whole thing is the entire world. Yep. Okay. <laughs> my, yeah, like step off the pedal boat onto a bike yeah. and ride. And then I, I have a side goal on that if I do have the the full support vehicle yeah like i don't want to do any kind of like if we ride into town and everyone's like you should go to this restaurant on the other side of town i'm not going to get a taxi and go across town you i'm going to ride my bike gotcha yeah or i'm not going to go but yeah. i'm literally going to ride 100 percent for the whole trip you don't want to have the feeling of being in a car until nope. you've made it all the way around no That's like so car cool, train man. like That's anything. so cool car train but like whatever it is <laughs> like i'm only going to do I mean, hopefully we'll plan it like this, but I'm only going to ride my bike and ride my bike from A to B. And then when I get to the end of the day, hopefully we have an RV and I can sleep in the RV. Yeah, yeah. But then I wake up in the morning, I leave from that exact spot and then we go. Because uh, when I did, I did the ride across America in 2010. Yeah. Is this a race? Like, it, it is it? It was a world record. It was. It was. You the, said it. It was the world record. Yep. And you yep. said it? Yep shit man dude i was like when ryan t sent me this i was like yeah like this is amazing and then he's like you should look up all of the stuff he's done and i'm like i should <laughs> yeah i've done a few no it's, way it's not like i didn't know anything about it at the time i was i was planning on this <clears throat> bike race across africa in yeah. 2011 yeah and i wanted to train for it and i just worked the olympics in uh whistler yeah um and i kind of came up with this idea of like I want to ride across America diagonally from the furthest point of, uh, on the uh, west north coast yeah. to like the Florida Keys. Okay. Like diagonally all the way across. And then my little brother got involved and was like, well, maybe we can get some sponsorship for you through Guinness and make it a world record. So he kind of went to Guinness World Record, looked at it, and they came back immediately and said, no, we're not interested in that. But there is this record called America North, South, West, okay. East, which you could go for. So you have to start on the uh, Canadian or the Mexican border and go to the other, and then you have to start at LA. Does it matter where? Or I mean, there's probably like a Doesn't certain matter. point where it's the least amount of distance, or well, like the least amount of distance, or like the flats. Like there's oh, yeah, so yeah, many yeah. different options, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. The the east west part though is from New York Library to LA Library or vice versa. Okay. 
So I use in Vancouver. So the obvious thing was you just do the the West Coast. Oh yeah. And then you were actually allowed to drive from the uh, border back to the LA library. Okay. So then you drive to the LA library and then <laughs> I left from LA to go to New York. That's so amazing, man. that's what it became. And at the time the world record was like 444 days and it was a high school kid from, from somewhere in California. Wow. I think. And he'd literally ridden the North South, gone back to school for the whole year and then ridden the East West. Oh really? Yeah. So it was kind of lame. It was like an easy record <laughs> to break and it was kind of like a bit of like, yeah, fun. <laughs> So I did it, and and we we timed it. We we were like, well, let's knock off 400 days. We're doing it at 44. Yeah. And at the time, like that was my, I'd never done anything like it, and it was it was definitely tough. <laughs> but then I got it done, and then I went to Africa. Then after Africa, I came back and I learned about Tour Divide. Yeah. And then I signed up for Tour Divide, which I failed because I still had mal I got malaria in Africa, so I was pretty sick still. But yeah, you don't want to start Tour Divide with malaria. No. no. Bad but, bad but choice. Then you find out about the real <laughs> badass. It's like you know Matthew Lee doing Tour Divide in 17 days or something and it makes my world record look prophetic well, oh man I talked to uh, Alexandra Hoichin yep, yep. Do you know she's her a, yeah. she's so cool I was she's just really like cool. yeah. I, I was even like a uh, couple people at work who are bike ride, like mountain bikers and yeah. stuff they're like have you talked to any mountain bikers I'm like I talked to the coolest freaking person <laughs> she rides in steel toed boots yeah. and and uh yeah so anyways I wish I didn't meet her I saw her and I did Tour Divide yeah uh, the same year she did okay and I saw her in town and I kind of looked at her and I kind of went is she doing the like because there's so many people around town and you're always like looking at them and being like are they doing the race yeah yeah like and people like put like one bag on their bikes and they might be cruising around but they might not have everything oh yeah and I saw her and I kind of went Oh, I wonder if she's doing the race. I wonder if she's touring because yeah, she had her boots on. Yeah. But she had a loaded bike, and it, she was kind of like the other end of the street. And I should have just gone down there and said hi, but I kind of <laughs> like looked at her and I was like, "Oh, I wonder, I wonder if she's doing." And then I didn't really know much else. Didn't really see her. Yeah. I didn't. I missed. I have. I'm super good at miss. I missed the start of all the races. <laughs> Something either happens or this one. I actually made the decision that. I'd rather go to Subway and buy a, have a good breakfast and load up on a couple of Subway sandwiches and miss yeah. the right the yeah. start than actually. Is there make a strategy the to that? Is it like the adrenaline rush is? I think it's way more important to have calm. the right That's true. breakfast and start on a full stomach. <clears throat> yeah. And start with the right food and because it's gonna take days and days. Yeah, like what's yeah. half an hour when it's a. Yeah. I mean, it took me twenty-two days. What's half an hour on a twenty-two day <laughs> ride? Yeah. So, and then. She was right behind me. I, there was points where she was an hour behind me, but she never quite caught me, and I, yeah. we never. But then the people I was around, they'd all met her, and they were like, "Oh, have you met the the?" Lead? And she was the leading female that year. And yeah. Everyone was like, "Have you met the lead?" And I was like, "No, I haven't." But I've heard so much about her. She sounds awesome. I'd love to meet her. She told me she. This was like a story of legends. I think, she said her bike broke down at one point, and she fixed it with a spork. Oh, awesome. She's like, I didn't have my tools, but I had a spork and I fixed it. And I'm like, you're the coolest human being on earth. <laughs> yeah. But that's the, I mean, that's the cool thing about <clears throat> most people on Tour Divide, Colorado yeah. Trail Race, yeah. Trans, like all the ones I've done and all the people, like they're so like, yeah, my bike's broken. How do I fix it? What do I do? Like yeah. everybody's got in the back of their head. Oh, I can just rip this derailleur off and throw it in a bush and well, obviously not, but like, you know, <laughs> rip this derailleur off and make it single speed and I can keep going and. I mean, I did. I, 
Totified was my nemesis for a while. So I tried it in 2012 after uh, uh, racing across Africa where I got malaria and it took them three weeks to diagnose it because I was on the medication. And then I got, so my immune system was shot and then I got all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. And for a year afterwards, I was still sick. Like I got back and they told me I had tropical sprue and the, uh, the uh, medicine was gluten-free and antibiotics for six months and then after six months i actually felt worse than i did before oh my god and then it was oh now you need to take probiotics for six months so i felt terrible and what i got destroyed on these rides so what like, is malaria like when you are just figuring out you have it what does it what does it feel like well, I think malaria comes in two ways. Like you haven't got the medication, yeah. malaria it can kill you. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's terrible. And it's the number fever. one. It's the number one killer in the world. Killer in yeah. the world of all time. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. So there's that side, but then if you're actually taking the medication, it's like taking cold medication all the time and getting a cold, but not taking enough to get rid of the cold. <laughs> so you're taking just enough to mask the symptoms. So you get it, but you don't realize you have malaria. So they put me on some antibiotic for a week and they were like yeah you know who, we don't know whatever it is yeah so then that doesn't work so then week two they're like all right try this antibiotic so then another week on a different one and the whole time i'm just getting weaker and weaker and weaker and but you're not you don't feel like you you know you're not bound to your bed you're nothing like that i'm still riding my bike 75 miles a day yeah i'm just struggling on i just don't have the energy and at night i was kind of like you know hanging out so then week three we finally went and they we went to this it was in tanzania i think we went to this tiny little clinic and they tested us for all kinds of things there was 10 of us that went five of us came out with malaria between that five of us we were on four different kinds of malaria medication and the other five i felt sorry for the other five people too because then they were all like no you don't have malaria and one person was like i've been sick for like weeks so what what can this be you know yeah i felt sorry but so then how do you eventually get rid of it well, the medicine then is the, like I was taking one of these malaria pills a day. Yeah. Well, it was like take seven a day every day for a week. <laughs> so then you get rid of it and I felt way better. Really? Like really much better quickly by the end of that week. And then it started to go downhill again. So then it went downhill and then I finally, <clears throat> I finally realized I was sitting in camp one night with my friends and they were talking about like doing this and doing this and doing this. And I was like, I don't remember any of this stuff. And they were like, oh, you were asleep. Because I was literally doing my ride slowly, yeah. getting to camp and passing out, waking up in the morning, getting back on my bike and trying to get through the next day's ride. Wow. So I, uh, that's when I realized, so I got a taxi to the next town, went to the hospital, told the guy in the hospital what I was doing. He said, oh, well, I'll just treat you for everything. So he just pumped me full of, there's a list of drugs. <laughs> um, spent the night in the hospital, then left. That whole the hospital night cost two hundred and fifty dollars. When I came to claim it on my insurance, I like called them up and they were like, "You spent night in the hospital. Oh, you got all these drugs. Oh, my. oh." And I was like, "Yeah, the bill's two fifty. And the guy laughed at me on the phone and went, "Oh, the check will be in the post tomorrow. Sweet, thanks for doing that. It was all, <laughs> dude. That's nuts, man. I mean, okay, so how early on into the Africa ride was that that you had got malaria? The ride was like four months, and okay. I think it, I got it like six weeks in. Okay, so there was a month in the middle that i was kind of out and then then after that i got better and then i still rode easy for a little bit and then i 
race the last section. So it was a race across Africa, and I was actually in second place when I got malaria, and I was trying to chase first place, and so that's why I kind of kept persisting, and then yeah, and then eventually, and I'd never quit at anything. I was the most stubborn person ever, <laughs> so it, it it was all really difficult. But like, yeah, then you, it it was the best option for sure. But I missed a 400 mile section, which I'm gonna have to go back and do one day. Man, but. I mean, you had a good excuse, you know. Yeah. With the whole... And it was the... And, and that was the thing. In the end, I realized that the riding your bike's not important. Yeah. It's the hanging out with all these awesome people, seeing all this awesome stuff. And I haven't seen any of it because I've been getting to camp and passing out my tent. Oh, so you weren't even like... Yeah, that's that's half of the experience. Yeah, right exactly. There. And that's what... that In the end, that's what clicked in my head to be like, you need to get better and you need to be able to get back to hanging out with all these awesome... Like, I mean, my friends were from all over the world yeah like, how else did you suddenly like you're in living with awesome people that like the same kind of things as you from all over the world that's amazing so man. i mean i had such an awesome group of friends and that's when i realized i was like oh no i need to get better and start hanging out with my friends again and yeah doing all these cool things yeah do you think that like adaptability and all the like whatever the hardest situation you've been in in an endurance thing do you think that is gonna I mean that has to be like huge in the coming into play for going around the world. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I did a bike ride across uh, Nepal. We started in uh, Lhasa, Tibet, and went to Kathmandu via Everest Base Camp. So we we went uphill for two days. So like that's where I'll never climb as much as that again. So I'm good. (laughs) I did a race called the Hoodoo 500 across Utah, which was 550 miles nonstop. So 37 hours nonstop. Like, all right, I can ride for 37 hours nonstop. <laughs> I'll never do that again. So, like, in uh, the round-the-world trip, whatever it throws at me, I kind of think, like, I've done this, be- I've done worse than this before. Yeah. Like, yeah, this yeah. will be good. Like, hopefully I don't get malaria, but if I do, I know that I can pedal in malaria for three weeks. So. Yeah. Dude, I mean, that's crazy, man. So, you talked about working the Olympics. What do you do for that? I, I work for... Uh, I organize ski races, so World Cup ski races. Okay. Yeah, so I work um, at Beaver Creek Mountain, and we do the World Cup downhill every year. Yeah. I've been doing it for twenty years. How did you get? How did you get into that? Complete accident. <laughs> I uh, I did a ski instructor course when I was eighteen. Moved to Colorado to be a ski instructor. Was too late when I got here. Missed the ski instructor training. Yeah. Was desperate for a job, um, and the HR department were like, "Well, on your CV it also says you're a race coach." And the race department is hiring right now. They do race coaching. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, put me in. <laughs> so I actually, they said, well, there's a ski race going on right now. So they're hard to get hold of. So we called for a day. We called for another day. Then they sent me up the mountain and said, this is where the office is. Just go sit on the door. Wait until they come off the hill. So I did. They came off the hill. A uh, lady called Rianne, um, like invited me in. She kind of like was getting changed from her day, like doing this, that kind of gave me this interview half interview as she was doing all these other things and then she kind of went all right cool you've got the job you start tomorrow at like four in the morning and I was kind of like four uh, I don't know if I can get here at four in the morning on the bus she goes well whatever time you can get here get here here's your <laughs> uniform take this chairlift up this chairlift up we're doing this big ski race like meet me here so I did all this and I go out and then like she gives me a jug of water sends me out on the race course it's a sheet of ice, steep as anything. I hit the race course, <laughs> take off sideways, hit a net, stop, kind of look around. I'm like, 
what on earth is this and um yeah it just turned out to be the coolest experience ever yeah and uh i've stuck with it yeah so i'm still I so was, you just you just keep that's what you've done yeah well i went from like i did i was a full season employee at the beginning then yeah. i went to like just work in the ski race which was a month yeah then we did the world championships in 2015 so i went back to being a full season employee and a supervisor and then kind of went through those steps and then didn't really want to put that time in anymore so um went took a step back from being a supervisor so yeah. now i like jen's in charge so i trained jen and now she's in charge of the whole thing so it's a really cool aspect because <laughs> the girl in charge i trained so i know what's going on but yeah. i'm not in charge which is fantastic it's the so best yeah I, I i do all like there's all these little <clears throat> jobs that i used to see and i used to be like i don't know somebody that can do that and we probably don't have time so now i get to ski around and i'm like oh yeah we should probably fix that oh we should probably and it's not like necessary for the ski race it just makes the quality better yeah so and then jen will be like all right we i need you to go do this i need to do that so and then my boss ron is awesome too so he's been there since i started so it's just a fantastic crew Rianne, the lady that hired me she left had kids for a couple of years and now she's back that's sweet so it's like a family up there and yeah i i love it that's and amazing do you go up and live up there like i do during yeah. the yeah during the ski i normally season. do like well it's not the whole ski season it's normally like november december yeah yeah that's so up awesome. there i'm up there full time for that period yeah yeah it's like it's it's hard work and it's it's stressful but it's, you just count it as training man well i do yeah yeah oh I, like when we're hanging nets i will always ski to the bottom of the net and, and run up if anybody ever needs something moving yeah. like i'll do it and i'll run down the net run back up and like yeah i'll push it as hard as i can on the way up the net i get to the top of that and you fall over like give me a minute i gotta catch my breath but can i tell you about my hardest workout ever? not ever but one yep. of my hardest workouts in the mountains i took my and you haven't even met her yet she said she was gonna run out <laughs> at some point but my six-year-old i took her skiing for the first time and she i think she was probably like four which mountain um we went to loveland okay because it's kind of the closest one yeah um and i was just i i didn't even have skis on so i just walked her up or she would ride the thing up the bunny hill yeah i'd walk up and then she'd come down and i would just let her go and backpedal yeah and then catch her yeah and then backpedal and catch <laughs> her and we did that for like three hours nice and finally i had to call it i was like i am i am so tired harper like you just gotta yeah and then we both went in and it was hilarious man and you probably see like skiing is completely exhausting i think but she just got the skis off and we returned them and she just laid on the floor yeah. everyone's walking by and she's just like trying to fall asleep yeah. so yeah well when i like i was an instructor for a while and that, yeah that's something people don't think like skiing is a sport it's an exercise yeah and like these people turn up from wherever and they uh they they want to go ski for six hours and you're kind of like thinking <laughs> do you normally do six hours of exercise in your whole work week yeah no yeah well what makes you think you can go ski for six hours like this is six hours of exercise yeah but you're like i gotta get my money's worth yeah in yeah. that because uh, i've done it too and man i think i went down like three runs you know in like an hour or whatever and my legs were destroyed yeah. and i was like i'm in good shape yeah. what is happening here but you're just not used to it no it's different you know? muscles like, yeah it's definitely different i mean i get it at the beginning of every season the first time i put my skis on yeah I go ski a little bit you're like oh yeah 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 
I'm like it's just those different muscles you don't use in any other yeah, way. That's nuts, man. If it okay, so if you're not biking, like what are you out doing? Like we talked about, you're doing the Leadville hundred thousand feet challenge running plus the hundred thousand feet challenge biking. Yep. Which is what you're gonna do right after this. Yeah. And <laughs> so you're just gonna go up a hill a billion times, it sounds like. Yeah. Um but like running wise, do you find that as like do you have a big I, passion for running? I think we running? should say I, I'm not really a runner. Okay. Like I'm more a fast hiker or you know like I've done the Leadville Leadman series. Yeah. And that's not running to me. Like a runner is somebody that runs around Central Park in New York. Like, like sprints I have around. no interest in that. Like yeah, I yeah. never run like I do run a little bit down here, but I, I hate running. But when you put a trail in and there's hiking and technical stuff, that becomes fun for me. Yeah. So like a trail run is, is something I'm interested in. Um, I do see the huge benefit of being able to go out my door and run for an hour at my house. Yeah. It's a good, like if you don't have time to train, that's definitely good training. Yeah. But I, I, I majority I'm on my bike and I got told by my old trainer, he's like, if you just pick one bike, you could be really good at it. Because I'll road bike, I'll, cr- I'll crit race, I'll like cyclocross yeah. race, I'll mountain bike, like endurance race, I do short mountain bike races. I'll, I had a time trial bike for a while and I love doing time trials, but <laughs> like, I just love bikes. Like, yeah. Every kind of bike, they all have their different aspects and they're all just so cool. Yeah. So that's where's your favorite place around here to bike? Just super selfish question because i want to know where you because i feel like the front range i don't know man like mountain biking wise it's difficult for me anyways as like a beginner mountain biker yeah because everything is straight up to yeah. right out of the gun like right off the start you yeah just have to much. straight up it's yeah. not like you know i've ran the trails in like eagle colorado yeah which there are some probably incredibly hard trails there eagle's not really got anything super hard but they're like smooth yeah. though and here it's just like everything's so rocky. Eagles got fantastic trails. It's Avon's amazing. Got I fantastic love Eagle. trails. Yeah. So, um, my go-to here is White Ranch. Oh yeah. yeah. And the reason is you probably almost run me over there a few times, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but it's the least busy. Yeah. That's the reason. Like I really, have, I like all the other trails. Yeah. I just find the amount of people on them can be insane. And the cool thing about like Apex is great feel like there's a bit of tension on apex between the runners and the bikers oh really and like sometimes you're like really quiet like nicely and yeah. you get like shunned from a runner and you're like come on it's yeah. a shared trail like and it's just so busy there so i yeah. i appreciate those trails and i think they're fantastic but i i gen- generally go to white ranch same like north north table is just really busy all the time north table though i've never had a bad experience there everyone yeah. seems there's a lot of beginners there I always under like if I go run there in the afternoon, I just like I know there's gonna be a bunch of people doing yeah. all sorts of stuff, horses, yeah. biking, like yeah. all of it. So, you know, I don't really. Ha- I just I like. So at the moment this year, I'm kind of so I've got a uh, mountain bike, full suspension, yeah, single speed mountain bike, yeah, uh, single speed cross bike, <laughs> and my road bike, yeah, and I'm trying to alternate every day. So I try to go road one day mountain one day and then i try and every time i do road and mountain i switch between single speed and geared okay and i'm fairly new to single speed yeah and i feel like single speed on your own you you have to push harder so yeah. i'm getting these great workouts because i'm just like you, it's geared to the point where you need to pedal yeah. so you like you're pedaling 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 just to, <laughs> just to get up like white ranch or something like yeah. single speed mountain bike up white ranch is 
is a huge challenge. Dude, White Ranch, I think I, I'm going to go run it this afternoon with a friend, but I think I hate, like, I love, I love it, but I hate it too. Yeah. Because that first three miles yeah. up that hill, you're like, why am I starting <laughs> off running up this stupid hill? When you take that corner and it's, yeah, I've never cleaned that. And funny enough, <laughs> the best I've done on it is on the single speed, which makes no sense. Really? Yeah. Well, when I talked to uh, uh, Alexandra, yep. she said, because she does single speed, yeah, she made she, a good she point. Switched, She's yep. like, you don't slow down because eventually you switch speeds and then you slow down naturally, and now you're pushing hard on that speed, yep. and then you have to go lower. Yep. And she's like, with single speed, you don't have that choice, so you just go. Yeah. And she she's like, I almost find it easier from that aspect because yeah, even though it's physically harder. Well, I love that aspect, and I'm <clears throat> like, it's uh, so Bailey Bailey did Tour Divide the year I did it, and he came second. Yeah. And his he does a podcast, and his. Uh, he, no he was on a podcast okay. that I listened to and he actually said that he thinks a single speeder could win something like Tour de France uh, Tour de Divide yeah. and it would be because he's, you've got to choose your gear and really like well, on a geared bike there's probably stuff you're pedaling up that you shouldn't be mm. so you're wearing your legs out oh, and okay. then uh, on the downs you're even on a geared bike you're not pedaling anyway Yeah. so the only di- the, the disadvantage on a single speed on Tour Divide is when you've kind of like you're on that flat road maybe with tailwind and yeah. if you had gears you could be going a little bit quicker than you're going and you're spinning out so you're just pedaling and spinning out yeah but really if it's uphill yeah if it's which is that ride is it's all uphill and you've got the right gearing then you're just you're pedaling away but you've also got all that weight you're not worried about yeah the breakage you're not worried about oh yeah i didn't even think like, about that all those kind of things you know you've lost weight and you've lost the chance yeah. of breaking something and then it's also it's just simple you just pedal. Yeah. You don't think about what gear am I in. You just, and there's a hill, you pedal harder. It, it, the angle comes down, you pedal a bit easier. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, like I said, super new to it, but I'm loving it. That makes sense, man. I really quick to kind of like wrap up. Um, the what was the other thing? Oh yeah, I I wanted to hear what you thought about this when you're traveling somewhere. Like when you're going, you've traveled so much. I mean, you could probably already talk speak to this a little bit, but um. I just wonder, like, when you travel as much as you do, does it make the world feel like a smaller place? Because now you're like, I've been to Nepal, I've been across Africa, or does it really make you realize, like, just how insanely big the world actually is? I think it makes it bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it makes it bigger because how how something can change over a hundred miles. Yeah. And you see it on your bike. And how people can sound different and it can look different and you kind of like and then you think wow like there's millions of miles out there like how much can it change and yeah you see so much bikepacking and pedaling on your bike that it's it's incredible you meet great people but but they just really do change yeah but you're also so so me and my friend leo we've done this a few times um we go we went to mexico the first time we went to costa rica the second time we went to panama so we go down on a cheap bike, $200 bike. We took one with us one year. We bought one one year. We strap on some bike bags. We go on a little bike trip with no goal at yeah. all. And at the end of the trip, we give the bikes away to a local. So we give them to... But on something like that, that's a really cool, super slow, and you, you're seeing so much, and everything is just different. Like those, All those trips, like 
that was a tiny little part of Central America, but it was completely different every day. So I feel like, yeah, the more you travel, the, it just seems bigger and bigger. And, and you're bigger. trying to like wrap your head around like if we saw all of Central America. Yeah. How? Yeah, that makes sense. Like how it changed, like from last this. So this winter we went Costa Rica to Nicaragua. And, and it, we do it like super low key. If we get bored, we jump on a bus. So we jumped on a bus from Costa Rica and then we ended up in Nicaragua and we're like, oh, this is completely different. <laughs> like, but not just that, like the weather was different. It was windy. Like, yeah. And they're like, really? We're, how long were we on that bus for? Like, yeah. Two hours and it just seemed like we we're in a different place completely. Well, and then even to like add on to that, it's like, how much does a place change day to day? Yeah. Because I know for me, like being here basically for the last few months, and going out on the same runs because usually like when when we were really like stay at home orders don't go more like eight miles or whatever it was i was just leaving from my house but to see how like i could do the same exact route but each day it would change completely just through that and yeah yeah man it's just it's mind-blowing dude yeah well yeah um i'm trying to think if there was something else i I got something if uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. I want to tell you about a little event I'm putting together and if any of the listeners are interested in joining. Heck yeah. So I've done the Colorado Trail Race three times. Oh, I did want to ask you about that. Okay. Go ahead. Right. So I love the Colorado Trail Race. I don't like the detours. Yeah. So I came up with this idea of doing the Colorado Trail Race where you bike on the bits you can bike and then when <laughs> you get to a wilderness area, you, you, you have a support vehicle that you give your bike to. They drive it to the other side. You do the hike. And then on the other side, you get back on your bike and keep going. Okay. So it's an idea of mine. I really want to do it. I'm going to do it this year, end of August, as like a, a fun ride. I'm going to take some friends, but I'm looking for anyone that thinks that they're up for it and wants to join. It's going to be like 12-hour days. It's going to be a big event. It's how, not, how many days do you think that? Nine days. Nine so days? I've, I've paced it out at nine days. Okay. So it's going to be nine decent days. Yeah. I'll have running and biking, uh, just like a group activity um i just want to put it together and then i'm thinking of actually making it a race um a race in the with, with a different kind of format so i want to do it in uh like when we were in africa we raced and the way you raced was you clocked in in the morning yeah so if you want to start six you could if you want to start eight you could okay so it's like there's a day but you clock in in the morning so you could clock in and then you have 24 hours to finish that day because the trouble with making it a race is it's going to be there's going to be people drop out yeah so we need a time but yeah so that's what that i'm thinking awesome, as a man. <laughs> there isn't really a biking running race out there no not really i mean there's lead man which is biking and running but it's different days and weeks yeah and, yeah. and then there's also like uh you know like eco challenge kind of stuff where yeah. you might orienteer you might bike you might kayak you might but but this will be bike run, bike run, bike run, bike run over yeah. and over. And it would stay on the true Colorado trail, which would be really cool. That would be really, how many sections do you have to uh, go around on the car? Like, cause it's going through wilderness, right? You can't yeah. bike through that, there. And that's why you can't bike. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, I think it's like 16 legs or something. Okay. So this, yeah. So it's like a significant. Oh, there's a lot. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it works out to be like a hundred miles of running. Okay. Basically. And then. Because I think if you stay on the trail, it's more like 450. So then it'd be 350 of biking. Okay. Yeah. Nice, so, man. I mean, I got to talk to the Colorado Trail Foundation and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. I'm just going to go do it this year. It's a bit of fun. I'm, a few friends are coming along. Yeah. But I'm definitely looking for company. How do people contact you? or um, And especially with your, your big event coming up, how do they 
like find all of your information? The the best way would be pedal around the world. Yeah. Uh, Instagram. Okay. And uh, it's pedal around the world, not around, because. <laughs> I'm dyslexic in English, and that's how I say it. So, so that's how I wrote it. Yeah. Um, and then my website, which is the same thing. Okay. Yeah, and you can contact me on either of those. Perfect. That's the best way. Sweet man, I'll link them all right on the show notes and all no that worries. stuff. So all that pod fun podcast stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Well, Paul, thank you for coming by, man. All Super right, no cool worries. talking with you. Yep. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Paul, thank you, man. Um, super pleasure to meet you, honestly. Uh, it was so cool. My daughter got a, right after we recorded, she came out and, and said hi. And to be able to turn to my daughter and be like, this guy is going to travel around the world, like completely around it, is is just to me, I'm like, wow, like that's so awesome. And hopefully it's something she remembers. And, and, you know, as, as the event is happening and as Paul is going about, we can be following along. And once again, it's just another example of just what is humanly possible and seemingly, uh, it's limitless, right? Like people are doing these things and, and just by setting your mind to it and having that persistence and being inspired and being passionate is really making like expand is expanding my mind anyways, but hopefully it's expanding just what is possible to everyone who is paying attention and and tuning into these to stories like Paul. And I hope you guys all seriously um, support him because after reading uh, Jason Lewis's book, which we mentioned a little bit in the show, like you just realize how much support it does take for someone to do this, um, as they're going about it. And that part of the book, really the whole like financial thing and, and raising money and all that, like it was for sure stressful just for me reading the book. Like, <laughs> so I can't even imagine the, you know, 1 million times more stress that must've been on on the like the people who are actually you know traveling around um so support him uh like i said it's called round or pedal round the world um and then so that's his instagram and then you can also uh check out his website at yes he's mad.com which love the name of the website like it's so good it's the perfect name for something like this because if you told most people if you were planning this and you told most people what you're going to do, they would be like, is that insane or just plain mad? And, and his answer, which is on the website, so you can check that out. Um, but for him, it's just out of the billions of people in the world, you know, nobody has done this before in this way uh, of pedaling every inch, every centimeter every mile um so why not why not paul you know why why can't he be the one you know and i love that i love the why not mindset and the world needs more why not right like we need to go into a situation with a heart full of possibilities and if you have the why not mindset and you and you also are reasonable and you understand like yeah dude obstacles are going to come up Things are going to be thrown at me. Um, I'm going to have to overcome certain 
certain parts of this journey, if that's your mindset going in, you can, you can do it. Like you can, you can find your success. Um, whereas if you have the why mindset and you're questioning every little thing, like why would I, you know, or like worrying about how you're going to handle certain situations, eventually that's going to stop you, right? Like if I'm going into whatever it is, like whatever my goal is, whatever I'm training for or seeking or anything like that, if I have that why mindset and side note, I totally have in certain situations. Um, I guess here's, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I was going to start a podcast like two years before I did this one. And it was going to be about teaching because I'm a teacher, which I say every episode, (laughs) but, uh, I was going to do one about teaching and I recorded two episodes even, and I think I might have even put them out, but I started having that why mindset. And I was like, why me? I'm not smart. I'm not like well-spoken. I don't say things like interesting or oh brilliant or whatever like i say yeah dude and awesome and stuff um and so i started questioning like why me like or how are people going to view me how are people going to judge me based off of this and i had so many of these questions and so much of this self-doubt that basically i invented in my own head through the why mindset that it stopped me because i was like well what's the point of doing this like there's too much shit I have to overcome and I can't over, I'm not going to be able to overcome all of it. So what's the point? And then I stopped and I'm a, I'm ashamed that I stopped, but I also recognize that that's part of my journey to lead me to doing 209, like a Bigfoot podcast, you know, like I, I almost had to experience that and, and get in my own way to get the hell out of my own way you know, and, and take this on. And, you know, I think that's something hopefully you guys can relate to. And hopefully, you know, when I look at Paul and he's like, yeah, why not? Like, I'm going to cross the ocean on a pedal boat. Yeah. I know I'm aware of the factors that are going to come into play. Um, and I'm aware that I'm going to have to creatively solve some problems and be solution driven but why not? Like, why can't I do that? If I just take it one step at a time, surely I can get it done. Uh, and, and I really love that. So anyways, that was like a way too long rant in the outro. (laughs) So, uh, if you're still listening, thank you. Um, so yeah, let's, let's call it a, let's call it a week here. Uh, we got a couple of really cool episodes coming up. Um, I, like I said, I've been recording a bunch this summer, uh, being on summer break and, and also, um, kind of, you know, staying at home more than normal. Uh, so, uh, we got a bunch of really cool stuff to share with you guys. Uh, next week we're going to catch back up with Matt Shepard. Um, Shep, he tried for the Canadian six day record. Um, he got everything thrown his way and it's a great story and it's a lot of awesome, learning and and uh wisdom that he shares so uh come back then so all right guys we'll talk to you then bye